Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 160, and we're going to be interviewing Bert F. How you doing, Bert? Uh, pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to do this. What about you? I'm 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 excited. I'm a, I'm a little nervous, but uh, but I'm I'm excited. You know, I got a, a good story to tell. So yeah, definitely. Just consider this like a speaking commitment. All right. All right. So first question I got for you is: Tell me about growing up. Go all the way back to childhood. Um, when I was a kid, I, um, um, you want me to start when when I started doing drugs or no, uh, just when you were a kid, just life. How was life growing up? Uh, life was, uh, you know, I hung out with the older kids always. I grew up with my uh, with my my two uncles was the same age as me, which is weird, but uh, uh so we grew up and uh, you know we uh, I play I played sports. I used to love basketball. I was good at all the sports I played, and uh, I had a, I mean, I had a pretty fun life uh, as a kid. I got in a lot of trouble, you know. Uh, you know, what, I, kind of, what kind of trouble? I was a we we we'd sneak in the neighbor's pond down the road and go fishing, and you know, uh, just just stuff like that. You know, run, we'd sneak out the wind at night and ride our bikes. Actually, we'd go down and we would go through the neighborhood because we didn't have a lot of money, so our bikes wasn't that great. So. <laughs> We would go steal other kids' bikes and ride them all night long, and then put them back, and then you know go crawl back through the window, and, you know, and by the morning before my grandma. Would get up. So um, yeah, I had a bad. You know, life was different when we was when we was kids than it is now. You know. Uh, How so? What was different about it? Well, the you know, I think I was. I don't know how old I was when Nintendo came out, but you know, all the kids now, you know. All they do is play games, and then the world's just like, like the stuff we used to do as kids. I'd never would allow my kids to go do like, or or that they wouldn't go do it. You know, they wouldn't get outside to go do it. They got it because they want to be stuck on the games. But like we used to go, we used to wait for the creeks to flood, and we'd walk all the way up to the interstate, and uh, which was probably I don't know a good couple miles through the woods. My grandma owned a hundred acres, so. But we would jump in the creeks and we would float down it, you know, until we get to my grandma's land, which was really stupid. Don't do that. You know, I'm not, kids don't do that. That's very dangerous. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we do stuff like that. We, we'd go crawfishing and we'd have our play guns and play war, you know. And then uh, I remember one time, me and my oldest uncle, which was like two years, he's like two years older. I mean, me and his name's Kenneth Henry. Um, me and him would always team up against my friend down the road and then uh, my other uncle and then we'd play war and we'd spend half a day, you know, on one side of the hundred acres making our uh, uh, forts and then building our little traps for them when they come along and then uh, they would do the same thing. And then I remember one time uh, uh, my friend down the road, he's got on his four and we had all these traps set to where when they did step in the hole and the thing would had strings tied where the thing would come down and hit him, which was very dangerous. But um, anyways, he come through his four wheeler and, and messed up all our traps. But but that's the kind of stuff we did. We played a lot of basketball, a lot of hide and go seat, a lot of football. So, so sounds like a, sounds like a pretty normal child growing up, playing, getting right. a little bit of trouble here and there. Yeah, I, my, my, but you know, back then it was uh, come summertime, you had to get outside. Uh, you wouldn't sit inside playing no game, anyways. You came back for lunch and ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and you had to get your butt back outside. You know that's the way I grew up. You know, 
Me but too. Then, it was all about going outside and, like you said, playing war, playing hide and go seek, doing stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't. Nintendo didn't come around until I was about eight years old. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, me too. So it wasn't like a thing where you stayed inside all day. And played. Oh no. Yeah. You know, my parents. You got like thirty minutes when you got off the school bus, and that's before you had to wash dishes and stuff. You know. Yeah. So, I remember one summer, uh, my my dad. And mom wanted to decide they want to make a goldfish pond. This was like my worst summer as a child, as a kid. Anyways, and uh, so I, I swear I dug on that goldfish pond like the whole summer. And my friends would come over. And my parents would put them to work digging the goldfish pond too. And I remember I know nobody wanted to come to my house no more because <laughs> the goldfish pond. But uh, but it, it ended up being a really big, nice goldfish pond with the big rocks in it. But I, I'll never forget that summer, man. I was so pissed off that, I, you know, we, we dug and dug and dug. And then when uh, then my dad ended up covering it up, they built a house and they built it on top of the goldfish pond. I was so pissed. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we had, we had a normal, I had a normal childhood. So how were your parents growing up? Um, they worked all the time. Uh, you know, until I was like 15 and my dad got hurt and he didn't work. He hurt his back. But uh, my mom, she um, she always worked. Um, How'd your dad hurt his back? Uh, my whole family's always built cabinets. Um, and he was picking up a, a cabinet, total, one cabinet, and he his back gave out and he slipped a disc in his back. And then, uh, and that was pretty, that's pretty much been the end of his working career. He's been on disability ever since. Uh, but um, they're split up now. It's 41 years they were together, and they just split up uh, last year. So. But, uh, but yeah, they, they worked all the time. So um, I had a little sister I had, I had to look out after. You know, we didn't have babysitters. I was the babysitter. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty normal. I mean, everything's pretty normal. We always had good Christmases. We didn't have a whole lot of money, but dad, my parents always made sure I had, we had good Christmas. You know, I always got some good things, motorcycles. I grew up on motorcycles and four-wheelers, you know. So I, I can't complain there. I can't say I ever did without. That's good that you had a good childhood. Right. It's not always the case, especially with us addicts. Right. So what were you like in school? In school, I, I was – kind of popular I, I fit into all the groups you know they got you know you got your preppy kids and your regular kids and then your gothic kids and then your, you know skater kids whatever um i got along with everybody um i got along with the blacks the whites the mexicans it, it didn't matter i fit in everywhere um i was always um i was i mean i i i was the one that was uh oh i got in a lot of trouble Kind of not a lot of trouble, but um, I was always into a lot of things. I I, I played I played sports. I, I'm I'm still the same way today. I, I, it's hard for me to be still. I'm always got to be moving. Um, but for the most part, I was real good at sports. You know, uh, before I got on drugs, I was real good at sports. I won every three point shootout we had every year at homecoming. Uh, and I, I always go by. We, you get free pizza at Johnny's. If you want a three-point shootout, and I won every year, and I take all my friends to go eat free Johnny's. So, uh, the first year I played basketball, I went to shooter in high, 
You know, the first year I played basketball, we won a championship in that tournament that year. Um, uh, I think it's the – I mean, it was junior – it was junior varsity because I was like in the eighth or seventh or eighth grade. But, um, yeah, I, I remember, you know, we won a championship. It's the first one Coach Antley had gotten as a, you know, junior league. And um, I, I didn't score a lot of points, but uh, I, had, I had to win the game. Uh, right at the end of the game, it, I don't remember what the score was, but it was real close. And he, um, Coach Antley, said, Bird, don't let, do not let them get that ball down that court. And three times in a row, they went to pass it, and, and I got it. Uh, when, when it went past the ball in, I got it. I'd either get it or I'd slap it out the way. And then a uh, guy I was in school with, same grade with Jacob Brister, uh, all three times I, I got it, threw it to him, and he went up for a layup. So, and it was like 30, 40 seconds on the clock. And then, so we scored three points. I mean, uh, three, he got three two point goals, like back to back to back. And, uh, and then, you know, I was part of that. So if it hadn't been for me, so I, I always felt good about that, you know. Um, but yeah, when we won the championship. It was, it was pretty, it was all right. It was not, it was cool. And as a T-ball and T-ball, we won the championship the year I played. Um, I never had to hit. I never had to hit off the T. Uh, the T always. Um, I hit the ball every time. It was a big ordeal. Uh, but yeah, I was always good at sports. I love sports. Yeah, for a certain amount of time, they keep you out of trouble. Right. But then I. Uh, but I, I hung out with the older crowd because of my the, the uncles that I was telling you about. Uh, they hung out uh, with with. So I mean, we're from a small town of shooter, and, and there's not a whole lot to do. And then uh, I remember uh, one summer I had uh, uh, I used to have I was the kid I had dare stickers, you know, I, I thought it was cool. I liked the way look. I had dare stickers all over my room, and. Uh, it was like when they first started doing dare, and um, I remember a friend of mine, Reef Brown, who came over with my uncle and came to my room and he seen the dare uh, speakers, I mean stickers, and he like got all all on me like real bad, and he smoked weed, and then uh, at the time my dad smoked weed, and uh, I'm him and or my uncle which is my dad's brother, but he's, like I said, he's a couple years older than me. Um, they went into my room, into my dad's room, and they stole some of his weed. And then uh, he made me smoke. He peer pressured me into smoking a joint with him right there because he's like, I can't have you being part of there. And um, so I smoked my, my first joint when I was like 13 or like 14 years old. And uh, and then so obviously tore down all the dare stickers. And then, you know, and then that's when um, – that's when my, I guess my journey started. Uh, How did it feel the first time you smoked weed? I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I, I didn't like it. I just did it because everybody else was doing it. Really, um, it made me real. I mean, I don't know. It was a cool thing to do, you know, with the group of people I was hanging around with. They all smoked weed, but. Uh, my, my dad always accused me of smoking weed. Like when I was nine, he was accusing me of smoking weed. I always had bloodshot eyes. And, and now I know why he accused me because somebody was stealing his weed and I didn't know it, but it's my uncle. 
and, and reefing them while he's working, they're going as still as weed. So he's always accused me of being high. And so I, and he never would say it to me. And now that I think about it, this is the reason why he's always accusing me because his weed kept coming up missing and he thought I was the one doing it, but he never would say that. Yeah, to this day, my dad still won't admit he had weed in the house. Uh, I, I called him out on it one time because uh, uh, I told him, you know, Reefer found his weed and he he he, he blamed it, saying it it was one of the other guys, one of his friends at work. He brought it home for him, but I'm like, man, whatever, dude. You know, I can smell it in their bedroom them smoking weed, um, but I, I I didn't really like it. You know, that wasn't my drug of choice. I didn't at the time, but that's what the thing was to do. But it always made me nervous, and I drive around and everybody else be drinking and uh, smoking weed, and I would just smoke weed and and I would drive. I always had the vehicle. And um, back then when I was 15, the year I was 15 was the last year you could get your driver's license at 15. So uh, I, I got my driver's license and we'd, what we would do in school, what we started doing is um, a friend of mine, uh, my baby mama's uh, brother, uh, we would get, after school, we would go to uh, my friend Reef, the one that got me smoking weed, he got us hooked up with a guy from Ruston, and we would go to Ruston and get a dime bag. And uh, I had a little Toyota Dooley. They don't make them no more. I'm the only one that had one. And I thought it was the ugliest damn ride, and I was embarrassed of it, you know. But I wish I had it now, you know, because it's really a really badass ride. But So we'd take the, the – I had a Toyota Dooley with Roadrunner and mud flaps, and, uh, and it was painted light blue. And we would uh, drive it into the ghetto, like we call it ghetto, the south side town, and go see somebody by the name of Fat Hat. They <laughs> called in, and we'd go get a dime bag. And, uh, and we'd do that every Friday. And we'd go get us a Mountain Dew, and then uh, we'd ride either ride around. Jeremy had two sisters, and uh, and I ended up marrying both of them. I married one, left for her for the other one. It was a long story. But anyway, <laughs> so we would ride around and uh, smoke weed and drink Mountain Dew. And you know, put five dollars in gas and ride around at Toyota Dooley all night long, and we'd go climb fire towers in the neighborhood or around around, and we'd climb the fire tower and sit on top and smoke a joint, and be like, "Oh shit!" You know, be scariest thing to climb back down off that fire tower being stone. But that's what we did as uh, teenagers, you know. And then um, I ended up. Uh, I had this girl that I dated for a long. I, I guess dated, but. Uh, she was like my girlfriend for like five years, but uh, we broke up and, you know, that was my first true love and, uh, and or my high school love and, and, you know, it broke my heart. And then I didn't know at the time, my friend Jeremy, that I used to ride around smoke weed with, he, um, he was snorting cocaine and, uh, I was all heartbroken and that's when, you know, Pearl Jam came out with that song, Yellow Leadbetter. And so I'm listening to that song, you know, and I'll, you know, tore up. He's trying to get me to have fun, and, and I wouldn't. And I remember, he's like, "Man, here, man, try this." And he poured. He laid out a line of cocaine, and uh, and, and I tried. I was like, I was scared to death, you know. Uh, and he's like, "Man, it make you feel better. It make you feel better." So um, I tried it, and when I went to go snort it, I blew it everywhere. You know, and he was like, "Oh man, what are you doing?" You know, and I and and then. And he's like, no, man, you got to snort it. 
And so I snorted it and um and it did. It uh it you know we went riding the roads and it, I liked it more than I did um uh smoking weed and and it helped helped me and you gotta remember I'm 15 years old and uh, and so uh some other friends like I had all this group of people that I hanging out with like I said they're all the older crowd and um and um I didn't know they was all doing meth and I wrecked in the crank um and but anyways the older ones found out that I had tried cocaine and then we used to have a buddy of mine's house. We used to go to his house on the weekends. And, uh, you know, back then, everybody was cool. You know, everybody hung out together. Uh, you know, back then, if you was from Shooterant, we had a group, uh, Shooterant, Pea Ridge, and, uh, and part of the Rustin High School people. We was like one group. And, man, we we was, we was all stuck together. We was, I mean, we, we used to have a lot of fun, man. You know, it was in the 90s. The music was awesome. And then, uh, but anyways... We went to a party at my friend's house, and um, he's like, hey, man, I heard you tried cocaine. I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, man, try this. And then um, it looked like peanut butter. And uh, and he said, um, and I remember he, he said, eat it. No, it, yeah, we put it in a Mountain Dew bottle. What it was, just a little bit, put it in a Mountain Dew bottle. And then I took a swig of it, and I remember – like my knee wouldn't stop going, I couldn't stop moving, and then uh, I was, what was I, it again? What it was, was it? It was meth. It was meth. Okay, but yeah, back then they called it crank. Okay, yeah, yeah, and uh, it's different than what they got out there now. But uh, yeah, I got high as a kite, and I went home, uh, and my mama was up, and I talked to her all night long and all morning long. I talked for like I swear eight hours. Like, and, and then I was like, this is my drug of choice. This is what, what I like, you know? And, uh, so, uh, I figured out real quick, I couldn't afford it. It was, it was so expensive. And then, uh, so I started selling it. And, um, so I'm 16 by now, 16 years old. And I used to have somebody come through the last recess of school and bring me an ounce of dope and, and I'd get it. And, I don't know if you remember the honky tonk in the alley, if you remember those bars in Monroe. Uh, you know, no. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, so I'd go up there and sell dope on Thursday, on Thursday nights for honky tonk night, and then uh, and on Saturday night, and and then so I sold dope and did dope, and then um, that's how I paid for my habit, and then next thing you know, my lung collapsed. Uh, I had somebody come through and um, they brought some cocaine and it was really pure. And uh, I, I remember um, getting it real high. And, and anyways, uh, I was sitting in the room in my bedroom, talking on the phone to my girlfriend and I went to sit up and I had this sharp pain, real sharp pain. And, it was so sharp, I couldn't move. Like, and I, I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack. It's what it felt like. And um, so, and, and I could I could barely whisper, you know, barely talk. And I couldn't move, man. I was in so much pain. And I had to get my girlfriend to hang up the phone and to call back and tell my mom and then come back there and check on me. And um, 
And so she did. And then uh, they told me I was having growing pains. And I'm like, you know, they don't know. I've just been snoring cocaine. I'm thinking I'm dying. So I sit there for another hour before they take me to the hospital. And I ended up going to the hospital and I had a collapsed lung. The stuff ate a hole through my lung. Uh, I, I say I was kind of tall and skinny and my lungs were stretched. So, and it ate a hole through my lung and it collapsed my lung. So uh, I had to have it. They just pumped it back up or whatever they do. And, uh, and then, uh, I don't know, probably a couple months later, I'm with the same friends hanging out. Uh, and we're at uh, Darbone Creek partying, and I snort a line of, of, of dope, of meth, and uh, I started feeling that feeling. I, well, it was different. Uh, this lung went to – I have sharp pains and gurgling. Well, neither say it got this lung collapsed. So I had to go back to the hospital. I'm in the hospital and they had to pump this lung back up. And then uh I waited a while. I was still doing dope, I would just eat it instead of snorting it. And then and nobody knew that that's why my lung collapsed, but me and the people I was with, and because the doctors weren't allowed to tell my parents, that's the first thing I told them, you know, you can't tell my parents, you know, what I've been doing. And then um so I think it's been long enough and I try to snort some more and guess what my lung collapsed again this one collapsed a second time and so i end up in the hospital again and then um um another year uh, i forget what grade i was in then but anyways the full fourth time they collapsed i was trying out for basketball and i was doing dope but i was trying out for basketball and uh my lung collapsed on try basketball tryouts and uh now, back at the hospital, when you have your second surgery on a lung, they have to put the chest tube in you and pump it back up. It's real painful, real painful. And um, so so here I am. I had What they did, did was they shaved half of each one of my lungs off, and they um, uh, they, they, they pumped they, you know, pumped them, inflated them back or whatever, and super glued them to my chest wall is what the doctor said. When I went to go to my last doctor visit, I didn't determine I was done with meth. I would never do it again. And then when I go see doc- the doctor, he tells me, he's like, son, your lungs can never collapse again. And I, I look at him, I'm like, what? Wow. I said, what you mean? And he knew I was doing drugs. So, uh, and I said, so what, what do you mean? And he said, well, they can't collapse. There's no way possible your lungs can collapse again. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, now, you know what I've been doing. Why would you tell me that? Because the first thing I'm going to go do is go find out, you know? And then, like an idiot, that's what I did. And then, so, um, you know, but they, he was right. They couldn't collapse no more. I did a lot of dope, and they didn't collapse no more. So. Um, what were you like when you were high? Man, my problem was... Uh, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I can sit and bullshit it, but I mean, me, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm like ADHD, man. I was the kind of person when I got high, I was chill, you know. It just made me want to get high and have sex, you know, with the, the you know, that's with the girl I was with. Um, yeah, you're not the first person I've heard of that from. I know a girl I interviewed said meth makes you real horny. Yeah, it does, and and, and I'm gonna be honest with you. Most times I really relapse because I was with a girl 
And then, you know, the excitement, the thing about it, getting that high because the, the way you feel, like the way you feel, it, it's, there's nothing that compares to it, you know, when, especially with somebody you want to be with, how you love. And, um, yeah, so that that was my addiction was, uh, you know, that's the reason I, I kept end up going back and going back. You know, back then the dope that I got, or that we did, it, you didn't do that dope every day. If you did it every day, you you know probably wouldn't be here right now because that 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 was the kind of dope. You do one little speck and you was high three days, and then you know by the time you got done doing it, I mean by the time you done been up three or four days and you, you got sores all in your mouth, you know because the blisters because the stuff is so strong. I mean the stuff we did back then it eat a, it eat a hole through a spoon, it rust the spoon right in the tooth, and uh, so you stay high so long. But by the time you came down. Man, you just want to lay in the middle of the floor and cry. You know, you just felt so bad. The come down was so harsh, and you just felt like it was the end of the world. And it was just, it was, because I mean, it was just terrible. So you know, then you spend you know the next three or four days recuperating from that, and then do it all over again. You know, but uh, what I was like when I was high, man, it just man, we just rode around. We drank a lot of Mountain Dew and played a lot of pool. You know, and and then. You know, a lot of, uh, I guess, sex. You know, that's uh, that was my my that was my thing. And then um, I end up uh, the girl that I end up my baby mama, who always had the finest ass in school. Excuse me, but she had the best looking ass in the whole school. And everybody, anybody who watches, they'll agree. Like my baby mama had the best prettiest ass and I sit behind her every day and you know every morning I'd walk in and I, and my, I remember Mr. Postel you know he, he's a life he, he's a really good friend of mine now he was my teacher then but that's a whole different other story but he's saved my life since then but uh I'd walk in he'd say what you on this morning Bert and I'd be like crack cocaine meth all the kids would laugh but I really fucked up on dope you know and then here come my baby mama with his ass, you know, walking in school. And then I always, you know, picked on her uh, and talked shit to him and said, God dang, you look like shit this morning, you know. And uh, and she'd always slap the shit out of me or something, you know, or hit me. But uh, really, man, she was so beautiful, you know. She still, to this day, she's still beautiful, but she just had that, that butt. And then so I chased her all through high school, being friends with her, being friends with her, well, uh, when we got out of school, she needed a place to live, and uh, her mom uh, was left her husband and, and hooked up with somebody else, and she took off to Missouri, and here I am. Uh, yeah, I moved out when I was 15, like 16 years old. I was renting my own three-bedroom house. I was going to school. Uh, I had a job at the truck stop in Calhoun uh, washing 18-wheelers, and uh Man, it's the shittiest job I ever had. Hardest job because you watching them cow shit trailers, and then it, it was as you say so. Anyway, that's what I did, and I sold dope, and and I'd get myself up to go to school, but I skipped most school. I I'd go to school, check in, and take off, and I stay going all day long. I I was a welder in school. I'm skipping around, but I'm just trying to tell the story. I ended up with my baby mama, but uh, I was a welder in school. I'll come back to that, man. But that's a whole. But anyways, I kicked ass at welding. Like uh, they threw me in the welding. You know, you, 
and you know, I should just back up really. And cause I, I left the whole big important part of my life out, uh, in, in school, uh, I, you know, you could dip in ag and you could hide back there and, and dip and maybe every now and you smoke a cigarette and you open the back door, Mr. Ed wasn't in there and, uh, and you could hang your head out the back of the school and you could smoke cigarettes. So uh, I wanted to be in ag class and I wanted to be on, you know, you was the shit. If you was like on the welding team or the small engines team, it was a big deal at shooting because Mr. Ed was a hell of a teacher. You know, when they'd go to the state that they won championships, you know. So I, I wanted to weld. And then the main reason I wanted to weld just so I could then sit down there and dip. Well, uh, he got mad. I wasn't on the welding team or nothing. He got mad at his welders and he got mad at his uh, – Small engines team. I don't know what they did to this day. I still don't know. But he kicked them all. And these was people who, when they went to state, they won championships. But uh, they must have did something really bad because he got rid of every one of them, uh, both small engine teams and both welding teams. And so, and he normally waits to ninth grade before you could weld. Well, no, like 10th grade. And uh, and he he asked me, he said, man, he said, I, I just got rid of my welders. You want to weld? Let me see what you can do. So, man, I, I spent half that year my of school down there well because I won every championship now every competition we went to and this ain't no lie and uh, my people from my school can back this up well, I think we have four or five uh turn or, or uh meetings and competitions and I won the first one I had three weeks to weld and I gas welded where you got the hose over you and you brazen in a but man, I practiced and practiced and practiced. And man, on my first competition, I won first place. And then to my partner, Jeremy, which was the guy who I rode around with and got hot with, uh, I ended up marrying his sister. Uh, he, he was my, he was an arc welder. So we, we'd be partners. And, uh, and he took first place. And then I remember uh, we went to Dubak and won. We went to NLU and won. We won every competition we went to. And then when we got, we went to Tech, you had to win at Tech to make it to LSU. And and so uh, I remember my first year we had tech and it, this dude thought it was be funny. He said, we're going to run a bead with the number four tip. And I'm talking about it's like with a brazen rod and with brass. That's unheard of. You're supposed to use a little zero. Anyway, needless to say, I nailed it. I, I could feel everybody behind me. And so I'm feeling it, boy. And then I just, man, I laid the perfect bead. And so I was like famous in the act thing at school because – I won all these championships, and then we went to state, and we took second place in state. I got second. I didn't win. Uh, I got second high individual in state, which is a big deal. And yeah. I was, and I was sick as a dog. I mean, puking sick. Uh, I almost didn't go because I was so sick. And I, down there, I was so sick, miserable. And I went down there and I put that beat down anyways, and I still got second place that year. And um, but uh, anyway, so I skipped school, and I tell everybody I was welding. You know, and I wouldn't be. I'd be getting high or whatever, what I was doing. And then um, I just don't know. I just left that part out of my school. And I, that's very important. That was that had a very big impact on me because it come back later. I ended up getting my wealth certificate like five years ago. You know, Mr. Postel taught me. Into, but anyways, um, yeah. So so uh, my baby mama, uh, that's who, uh, you know, uh, me and Jeremy, we close. What? Yeah. So I ended up getting out of school and and I'm working. I, I I ended up quitting halfway through through my senior year because my lung that was my lung collapsed and they told me that I was going to come back because I missed so much school. 
And I'm like, man, I'm living on my own at this time. I'm, I was like, I can't do that, man. And I just, I just went to work for my uncle. Um, he had a big business, and I went to work, you know, you know, doing the family business, building cabinets and carpenter work. And we worked out of town. We built these nursing homes, and um, I worked out of town. And my baby mama, I when was back for the weekend. I ran into her, and then uh, she's working up at the diner and shooting. Her, and I asked what she's doing. She telling me that her mama took off to Missouri. And so she didn't really have a place to stay. I asked where she was living. She said she knows. So I was like, look, I got this three-bedroom house. You know, this is my way in the door right here. You know, I was like, I got this three-bedroom house. I'm gone all the time. I'm never there. You know, you can come stay there, and then you can watch the place. And um, so that's what she did. And then um, uh, my uncle ended up losing the business, and he went to jail. And and so I'm at, I'm at the house with her. And uh, anyways, we ended up uh, – I drove a 16-pound mile every day for like a whole year. So I was in the best shape of my life and had this body, you know, so I won her over, you know, what I say. And uh, But uh, she didn't do drugs. She, she didn't do drugs. She was totally against it. And, um, but uh, You were using the whole time? Off and on. Off and, and on. Man, and I was trying to get her to, you know, it's not bad to say, but I'm trying to get her to. Because man, she was so fine, and I, you know, I want to have her and do our thing, you know, and uh, but but she wouldn't, and so but she never gave me like I do it. It was just every now and then I do it because we end up uh, we had my she got pregnant. She was a good mom in pregnancy, and and uh, and then when she had my son Austin, uh, I decided I was I was done. You know, I'm not gonna do drugs no more. I got a family, man. I got a lot going for me. I, by this time, I'm working at Louisiana Tech. Um, I, I got a nice truck. We bought a, we got a new place, new new house, uh, uh, four acres of land. I got my new son. And my friend Reef, the one who got me to smoke weed the first time, that tore down my dare speakers, I mean stickers. I remember he come over and he hung out with me one weekend, and we just drank beer. We went to go fishing. We went and hung up some uh, trot lines at, at Darbonne. We spent the weekend together, man. And uh, and, and I remember he telling me he wanted to change his life. He said about going in Marine, going in the National Guard. He was tired of doing the same thing. And I was like, this is Reef saying this. I'm like, damn, man. I was like, you all right, buddy? And he's like, yeah, I just want to do something different. Reef, I always told it again. Ever since I knew him. Matter of fact, the first day I, I met him, we got in trouble because he shot out the damn uh, my my friend down the road. He shot out the window in the car across the street at the shop. You know, we all got in trouble. The first day I met Reeve, I should know him. Stay away from him. <laughs> but uh, anyways, but um, so Reef, when I grew up with Reef. He was he taught me a lot in life. He taught me a lot. Uh, and I used to fight a lot, and he'd always I'd always call Reef. He'd come pick me up, and they come get me, and we go. And I, you know, I was always fighting over that girl I was in love with, and it breaking my heart. But anyways, um, yeah, we spent the weekend together, and then it's he um, showed up at my house. We just drank, no drugs. He smoked his little weed, and um, we went fishing and spent the weekend. And anyways, so he leaves, and it was nice, you know, seeing Rafe again, cause I, cause really, uh, when my baby mama got pregnant, I stopped hanging out with everybody. And uh, and then you know I stuck to myself. And then when I had my baby, you know I did right, and he came, and then he showed up, and we spent the weekend together. 
within he shows up like three weeks after that. And uh with all these people I went to school with, the younger people, I, I hung out with older people. When I was in tenth grade, there wasn't nobody left for people that I grew up with. You know, all the people I hung out with had either dropped out or graduated. So he shows up with all these people that was like in my same grade, because I failed a couple times. And and all these people were like, I remember he's like two trucks. Uh, with all the people I used to get high with and a lot of people I was in school with. And they, like, come to my house to party, and they was all drunk and fucked up, and I was pissed, man. I'm like, I was like, man, I told him, I said, like, man, what the fuck wrong with you, man? Why don't you show up at my house like this? You know, I got a baby. I got a wife. I, you know, you don't just show up like this and all these people I don't fuck with no more. And I was really rude to him. And uh, this last time I seen him alive, man, he, uh, he left, and then uh, – he was buying some, uh, I didn't even know, I, 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 like, every now and then he'd do crack. And then uh, he ended up being on the south side of Russell and buying some crack. And uh, him and the dude got out of alterca- altercation, and they pulled out guns. Reef always told the gun. He lived by the gun. He died by the gun. And uh, anyways, he ended up getting shot and killed. And, and uh, yeah, at a very young age. And, you know, it, it broke my heart. I felt, felt bad because I never did get a chance to tell him. Uh, you know, I, I apologize for the way I treated him. I mean, he was just, he, man. Reef was one of them. He kept uh, everybody together, man. We had this certain clique, and we all stayed a clique. He, you know, and Reef kept everybody uh, together. Yeah. Yeah, like, you go to Reef, I mean, I mean, Reef kept, you may have, we had this group, and Reef kept us all together in a way. Cause he hung out with everybody. Everybody loved Reef. He was cool. As, he was he was cool as shit. A little skinny, little some bitch, but the craziest motherfucker you ever met. You know, everybody's scared of him. You know, if I'm going into war, I'm bringing Reef. You know, <laughs> um, but but he was a good friend. He was a loyal friend. And uh, and then, like I said, you know, he died, and it broke my heart. It broke a lot of people's heart. And uh, so uh, yeah. And then uh, some couple years went by, and then. I wind up, uh, uh, I wind up, I get, I got hurt. Uh, I was working for a company called Westman and Marble, and um, I got hurt, totem granite. Uh, I did granite. My dad didn't build cabinets, and uh, I, um, I hated cabinets, man. That's what they all did, and, my, and uh, I wanted to do something different, so I did countertops. I did Corian, and I did uh, granite countertops, and uh because I worked for Louisiana Tech where after my friend Reef got killed I just wanted to do something different man I worked with a bunch of old people and it's like working with a bunch of old women they just gossiped and shit and then when one it came up for uh, the guy that was my boss moved up to a certain position where another this position was coming available and you had all these people trying to backstab one another and they're like, like all old as shit I'm the youngest one up there and then the guy that I ended up uh, working with when I when I started tech, the guy I worked with that taught me about all the sleeping in the rooms and shit during the day after lunch, you know, doing all the, the shit you ain't supposed to do during work. I mean, it's the most laid back job I ever had. But uh, he becomes the boss, and then it was, uh, you know, he acted like, I mean, he treated me different. Like when he became the boss, I was they had moved me up to locksmith position, and um, when he became the boss, he just treated me. Like, this is a dude I'm supposed to be real good friends with. We work together every day, but he became the boss, and he flipped. 
you know, and he treated me like he knew I was doing all this shit that he taught me how to do, you know. But uh, and he, and he's treated me different, and, and so I just like, you know what, fuck this, man. All these old people and all that gossiping and backstabbing. I ain't got time for that shit, man. So I quit. I got mad and quit, and then because they gave my locksmith position to somebody else that had more seniority that that came from Rustin Housing Authority, and I was like, screw this. So uh, I found a job a couple of days later. I was just riding around door to door, and I started got a job at Westwood Marvel. And it felt and found something I was really good at. Like uh, within a, the year, I was the shop foreman, I was the install, the head installer, and uh, and then I did that. I don't know for like a year or two, and then I I got hurt toting the granite. What happened was I got a hernia, and I went in to have a hernia operation, and uh, they clipped the cord that went to my testicle. They didn't tell me. I wake up, my nuts is all swollen up, huge, and and I come home, and so I'm in the bed, and I can't get up and walk to the toilet. I mean, I had to I get up, stand upside the bed to piss, and my nuts was swollen up, and man, it hurt so bad. Well, a month later, everything's still swollen up. I'm not here, and I'm knowing something's wrong, and I go to LSU, and they're like, they're not telling me nothing. I'm like, man, they done messed up something. They, they done did something wrong. So I go, my grandma pays for me to go see a specialist, he tells me that they jacked me up, that they clipped the cord and went to my testicle, which when that happens, uh, and this is repairing a hernia operation, but when that happens, it kills the blood flow to your testicle and to everything on the right side. So uh, the doctor tells me that uh, he thinks he can save the uh, testicle because it produces hormones, but he's going to take out my epididymis, which takes out, which uh, produces sperm. So I go in and have another surgery and then they take it out and I'm laid up another month. So I got all this nice stuff, man. I, I got nice house, new truck, new kid, a uh, beautiful wife. And I was real prideful. And I done been off work like six weeks. And then, uh, so my family, I had uh, a lot of my family is from California and they, um, they're truck drivers, so they had the best dope, you know. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking, how am I gonna keep all my shit without losing it? So I called my family in California and I said, "Look, man, I'm about to lose everything I got. Can y'all help me out?" And uh, I wind up going and taking a loan out on my truck for a thousand dollars, and I sent the money to California, and for them to uh, and for them to bring me back some dope, and. Uh, they used to haul cars back from California to Dallas. So I wound up uh I wound up going to Dallas and uh getting getting the best dope as you ever seen around. I mean, I used ice back then. And ain't nobody ever seen no ice around here. Nobody ever seen that shit. I, I ain't never seen it, you know. And and you smoking it out of pipe, but it's just fire, you know. And so I, I'm in the bed, uh they end up taking my epididymis. And I'm still messed up. And then the doctor tells me he's got to take out my testicle. I'm like, damn, why don't you just get it the first? Get it when you got the epi- epididymis, man. And uh, he's like, man, he's like, I was hoping, it, you know, it wouldn't die. Because, uh, you know, if you lose, if something happens to the other testicle, then you got to take girl hormone pills, you know. And he's like, I was trying to save your testicle. We're going to have to take it. So that's another month off. So I have that surgery. So I'm in the bed and. And I'm selling dope out of my bed, man. I, I told everybody I'm back in the game. 
you know, and I got this new shit that ain't nobody ever seen, and I can't walk, but I'm sweating up grams in the bed selling dope, and it was fire dope, and then that's when, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, that's how I paid for all my shit and didn't lose everything. Well, when I healed, uh, the company I was working for, they fired me, Westman and Marvel, and because uh, really I could have sued them, and uh, or I could have took, you know, I could have tried to get word was come, but I ain't never been about that shit. So um, I just started my own business. You know, that they they didn't want me to draw unemployment. They fought me on unemployment, so I said, well, you know what, I'm gonna be competition. And I wound up uh, finding a company in Monroe, a big company, that sold. Uh, Marvel, and I told him who I was and what I did and what I could do, and then they bought me all the equipment I needed, and I had a shop at my papa's behind my house, so I went to work for myself doing Corian kitchen countertops, but to dope, I still sold dope. I couldn't, uh, you know, that lifestyle, you know, uh, but I sold dope, and I went work around all these important people working in these half-million-dollar houses. Nobody had a clue. You know, I was a functioning drug addict, and uh, nobody had a clue what I was doing, and uh, and that's what I did, and then till I ended up getting busted. Uh, what happened when you got? How how bad was it when you got busted? Well, I left my. Uh, this is what happened, man. I left my baby mama. Where's my baby? I dropped my baby. I left my baby mama. I left my baby mama for her. Um, for her sister. You know, I told you that the two sisters I hung out with and her brother, I grew up with them. You know, we used to ride around and smoke weed. One weekend it was with my baby mama, and then the next weekend it'd be with her sister. And so I was real close to both of them. And the sister, um, you know, uh, I left out a whole part where when I started selling dope, my baby mama got on dope. Uh, and I, you know, I feel real bad for it. I wasn't the first one to give it to her. Her sister was, but... I tried for a long time to get her to do it, she wouldn't. But when she did do dope, she did it. It was great. You know, we didn't come out to the bedroom for three months. You know, I swear to God. And uh, so it made our relationship awesome and why I'm healing. But then, um, uh, but then, um, you know, everything good don't last. And then, uh, she got on dope and it, it wasn't good for her and our relationship and it just fucked everything up and let me ask you this question because the, the way you've been talking do you think you're addicted to sex no i mean everybody likes sex the, 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 I, I i liked having sex with my baby mama you know or with the person i love i'm in love with you get okay, so for you it has to do with love okay i get it yeah it just makes it so much better and then okay. um but yeah, I mean, yeah, I was addicted. Like, like it changed. I mean, like I said, we 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 it, uh, a lot of sex was involved with me and my baby mama, and then, uh, but but we started having threesomes and stuff with other women, and you know, it just fucked everything up, and 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 then it changed. Uh, you know, uh, I you know, just bad things happen, man. And then her sister, she was a functioning drug addict, and she worked at Community Trust Bank in Calhoun, and she ran it. She was a manager, and she did dope, and she drove a nice ride, and she took care of the kids. And, you know, I thought the grass was greener on the other side. She was more compassionate. My baby mama, she was, she was, she's not one of those, uh, 
that talks about feelings and shit. And then Nicole was, and then, but one day in the office, I'm, I'm depositing some money and then, uh, I don't know, man, we just had a, we kissed. It was really crazy, but, um, you know, I caught, it was the devil really what it was, but it felt like, I mean, was, I can't explain it. I left my baby mama that day and she left her husband and it's, uh, and then my father-in-law, he called, I, we stayed running roads for a month and then, um, but I ended up with the sister and the father-in-law told me, he said, you either go back to your baby mama or I'm going to make, make your life hell. And he was a Mason. Okay. And, uh, retired at the fire department. You know, he, all the people in the, at the sheriff's department in Lincoln Parish was tied with, they was friends with him, went to Mason, went to church. And so, and I did this terrible thing and that, and it really was, man. I mean, then I, you know, I, I thought I was doing the right thing, but anyways, let's just say I ended up getting arrested five times in one month and, uh, not for drugs, but just for whatever. I mean, they couldn't bust me for drugs. They kept kicking in my door and pulled me over, and they never could get me. And then, um, so they just started arresting me for shit I didn't do. You know, I'd get a knock on the door and open the door, and they just grab me, handcuff me, and just throw some bullshit charge on me. You know, uh, it'd be domestic abuse, or it'd be improper use of telecommunications. And I'm sitting there, I, I'm like, I, I'm at my house. I got a straining order against my baby mama. And she ain't allowed in my house. I'm not around her. I, I ended up getting custody of the kids uh, because, you know, she, I broke her heart. But at the time, I didn't see it that way. But anyways, the ultimate uh, the ultimate thing that happened was uh, I didn't know the feds was around here. And I wasn't worried about, you know, my mind, I could, you know, I, I used to have the dope. I was getting FedEx from California. And, uh, and, uh, and so I'm getting FedEx from California and nobody knew where it went but me. And then uh, I wind up slipping, and then uh, you know the the person I end up okay. And I was with the sister, and I kept getting arrested. The final told me to go back to my baby mama. Well, uh, the sister that I was with, she was jealous of the girl who was selling dope for me. I had a girl, a lady, and she sold a lot of dope. I mean, I, we were selling like a pound a week. And then you get the FedEx in the mail. And, uh, and you know, my baby mama and my, uh, uh, I, I ended up going, I ended up going back to my baby mama before I went to federal prison because I, you know, I ended up losing the kids and I'm like, fuck that. So I went back to my baby mama and then, uh, uh, I was still secretly seeing a sister. And then, uh, one time I let this, let somebody know where the dope was being fixed to. And then me and the girl, I, ain't the, uh, my, they, I told the sister where the dope was going and she went and told her daddy. And, uh, I got people pulling up here. Um, anyways, Hey, is there any way I can pause this for a minute, man? Uh, can you hold on one second? All right. And we're back. Um, so during everything going on, how's your drug use is it getting worse and worse because you have access to all that dope like you're getting pounds you said so was it getting like progressively worse or were you somewhat in control well for me i had too much riding like uh i I was in control man i had to be because i was getting a pound fronted to me 
And so, and I had to pay for it, you know, but I, I was in control. I felt like, but I was breaking down everybody around me because all my friends who used to have jobs, you know, you know, when I started selling dope, I mean, who do you sell to? I mean, who are you going to sell dope to? To your friends. Mm-hmm. So all these people who had jobs and shit, you know, don't none of them have jobs no more. And uh, it messed up the people around me worse than me. Um, that was, was, Why weren't they working? They were getting high? They were too strung out. I mean, shit. And, and, then, and then, you know, I had this team of people that I had selling dope. They, they all, I, I ended up getting them dope and they so dope. And, you know, but then people start getting in trouble and shit and people start doing dumb shit. So I cut them off and then I'd cut them off. And then, um, cause they, they all quit their jobs and shit, man. Everybody, um, it just destroyed all the lives around me. I, it destroyed them, but me, I'm still selling dope. My bills getting paid, you know, but, um, until I went to federal prison, but yeah, I mean. So tell us about that. Tell us about going to federal prison. I got, um, the lady I ended up getting out and marrying, um, she ended up telling them, she told on me, um, they, they was trying to get the girl busted. That was selling the dope for me because they was jealous of her. My baby mama and her teamed up. And I didn't know this at the time. And uh, they went to the, she went to her dad and told her dad where the dope was going. And one time I let anybody know anything, and I had it sent to the girl's house that uh, that was setting dope for me. She because I had court that day, and they prepaid me up front, paid me for it up front, and they had to have it on this day. So uh, she gave me the address, and I ended up telling uh, the one my wife now we're we're been separated seven years, but the other sister. And so what she did, they went and told their dad, and their dad got with the feds and told the feds where the package was going. But she ends up getting busted, and then, you know, domino effect. And uh, she got busted, and then I got busted. And then so I go to federal prison for two and a half years. And um, I was prison. Man, a vacation. It was a vacation. Because I was in love with two women. I had two sisters. Can you imagine being in love with two sisters? And and I couldn't, I kept going in between. And I had three kids. I didn't want but one kid. And then next thing you know, like every time I left my baby mama, a week later, she tell me she's pregnant. You know, I think she bottled that shit up and saved it. When I leave, she'd tell me she's pregnant, you know. But I'm glad she had them. I love my kids. But man, you got, I, I got two kids, shitty diapers. I got pit bulls. I got, um, I got all the people doing dumb shit around me. I, you know, I my father-in-law was right when he called me and told me I should have stuck with my baby mama. I'm gonna drop the hammer on you, boy. I should have listened, and I did. I thought I was invincible, and uh, and, and so uh, it. But when I got to jail, it was scary, man. I got I get busted. I don't. I've been arrested five times in one month. I bonded out, bonded out, bonded out, and feds get me. They beat the fuck out of me, man. I, uh, I had somebody tell me, when the feds get you, they're going to fuck you up. Well, I didn't believe it. They did. They fucked me up. Dude. You know, they beat the shit out of me. And then took me to jail, and I'm thinking, I'm going to get a bond. Nah. They told me, they said, you either cooperate 
if you want to if you want to get a bond you better cooperate and i'm like man fuck you you just beat my ass dude and i ain't telling you shit i said i'll be out tomorrow now but the feds you don't get a bond if it's drug related or gun related you don't get a bond so six months i'm in jail before i ever even went to court i went to court they called me a menace to society and then gave me a court date for six months from then and i was devastated because all my kids still slept in the bed with me, man. And uh, I didn't know at that time how, how I got busted. You know, I thought it happened on – because because they said in the paperwork that the dog smelled it in California, and so they worked it from this end and, and, and you know, and then busted us. But that ain't the way it happened. And uh, I didn't notice at the time. Uh, so I'm in federal prison, and uh, I know I'm in jail for six months before I got shipped to federal prison. But I get there, man. It's like a big day camp. It's uh, it's like being at a big ass college campus with no women. Uh, you got handball, tennis courts, basketball courts, volleyball. Well, shit, man. I, I, uh, like I said, I fit in everywhere. I played spades with the blacks at night. I played volleyball in the daytime. My blood brother, I got a scar right here. I got a scar because the dude that made me strong in jobs. I broke down when I when they when I wouldn't get in the bond, and I'm in jail, man. I'm missing my kids, and then my wife tells me. I remember, because um, I went back to my baby mom, uh, I was writing her a letter, and she disappeared for like a week, and then she got the kids taken away, drugs, they did drugs, you know, she didn't stop, yeah, I thought, because I stopped, I'm gone, you know, I'm thinking everybody else going to stop, you know, I stopped, y'all got to stop, no, they keep going, they just find somebody else to get a dope from, and uh, anyways, my baby mama gets the kids taken away, and uh, and she tells me, she says, why are you writing me, I couldn't get her to answer like for four or five days, Finally, she answered the phone, and I said, um, I said, where you been? She said, well, <laughs> she got me back, man. She said, why, well, you've been writing me these letters about this letter about being up against that cold brick wall at night sleeping. I've been between your best friend's legs sucking his dick every night. And, man, so I reached back, I punched the brick wall, break my hand, and then, uh, and then I'm devastated, man. Like, how did I let my life get to the I was heartbroken. Wow, I've been running around with her sister, man, you know. So who do I go to? I call her sister, and then she's out running around doing dope. She's doing and Anyways, I'm calling her crying. Well, she sends me $50 every week while I'm in jail. Uh, she sent me $50 every week and brought my kids to Beaumont, Texas, every other weekend to see me uh, for two years. I thought that was love. That's why her, ne- her name's on my neck. But uh, really, it's because she had put me in jail and felt guilty, you know. But I didn't know that then. So uh, I, I do my stint in jail, and I get out, and I'm flying straight, man. I, I get out the very day I get out. I, the guy from Dish Network showed up to hook up my dad's satellite. I asked him was he hiring. The next day, I'm more working for Dish Network, and I'm making. And then um, I I wind up, uh, man. I was making like two thousand dollars every two weeks, twenty four hundred dollars. I'm like, shit, I should have been doing this instead of selling drugs and doing dope, you know? So, I, so I'm so i like living a good life. I'm making money. I got my kid. You know, I get out and, and I end up with the sister, you know, because I think she loved me. And she did love me, but I don't know the hope. You know, I, I, all the, the past, it comes back to light because um, the sister's still using. She quits using. She quits doing drugs when I get out of jail. But so uh, she kept saying, I just want to get high one time. I just want to get high. And I'm like, man. I'm making a killing for this network. I'm working buku hours, you know, and I'm like, man, I can't do no dope because I know I'll be fucked up for a week and then I fuck my job up and 
man, I remember the first Christmas, uh, the, the year came around, it's Christmas time. I went and bought, I spent like $6,000 for Christmas. You know, that's how much money I was making, living a good life, boy, making money. Um, I went and bought my kids four wheelers, had a big ass Christmas, man, because the Christmas before, I got out two days before Christmas, I got out of jail and I couldn't buy them shit. And I said, no, nah, I won't happen again. So uh, the next year they had a big Christmas. But my, uh, and, but my, I ended up marrying my wife, my baby mama's sister. And, uh, but she kept on. I just want to get high one time. I just want to get high one time. She kept on, kept on. And, uh, and, I, you know, so I'm like, look, what'd you do with cocaine? I was thinking about the sex, you know, well, I want to get high and we have some good sex one night and that'd be a wrap. And I'm like, look, let's just do cocaine because it, it won't last. I won't be up a week. I'll just be up just a day or two. You know what I mean? I'll be just at night and I can go to sleep and I'll be able to go to work. I won't fuck my job up. And, um, so she goes and gets her some cocaine. She gets there and she pulls out a needle, man. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And she pulls out a needle and she, she does a big old shot. And I'm scared to death of needles, man. I admit, I'm 28 years old. I ain't never did a needle in my life, but I can't have this girl doing something, this girl I love doing something I ain't never done. You know, I'm like, man, what? Hit me. I want to see what that's all about. Let me know. And so she did hit me with a shot of cocaine. And man, it's the best feeling in the world. I felt like it's the best feeling I ever had in my life for five minutes, you know? And then I won't feel it again. So I ended up being a, a cokehead for the next year. Yeah, you know, um, if I just thought about getting high on cocaine, boom, I'm going to get some. And I spent most of my kids' money on cocaine. I mean, my money uh, on cocaine and everything went to shit. Uh, and come to find out, my, you know, she's doing, she's still doing some cocaine. We went back to dope. And I'm trying to, I'm the manager for Dish Network by now. And I'm, doing dope and and uh yeah and i end up you know when you start doing dope again everything goes bad i lose my job for this network and uh and then so um i go right back to selling dope again you know when did you um so let's talk about your recovery when did you decide you needed to get better what happened man i i got i went through cancer and I, and I had quit doing dope. I got custody of my kids. I got to finish telling you this part. I finished, uh, I, me and my, I ended up, I caught, I caught my wife cheating. And then, and then, so we, we broke up and then I went heavy on the drugs in. And then uh, I came, I left three months. I kept falling off. He started getting me arrested again, you know. Uh, and then anyways, I ended up leaving and I come back. I left to go to Arkansas three months and I came back. And I won. I fought for a year to get custody of my kids. I got sober. I got I got my kids back, and uh, I, I got my kid. I, got, I ended up getting custody of the kids. I did everything I had to do, and then some. And then I got custody of the kids, and then my papa got sick. Uh, my papa gets sick, and then I get sick with cancer, and then, so I went back to using dope again. And then uh, and I haven't stopped. And that's been like five years ago. And then uh, my recovery was my papa died. Uh, I beat cancer, and uh, and and I wind up after cancer. I lost my house, and I, I ended up getting arrested again. And uh, 
you know, I got tired of sleeping on people's couches, man. Um, I survived cancer, but, uh, you know, my kids are grown now, but I didn't have no responsibilities. So I went back to selling dope again, and then it just got bad, man. Everything got bad. I had a gun pulled on me for two laptops. I had somebody pull a gun on me, and uh, and just everything's just bad, man. The world's bad out there right now. The drugs... It, it ain't what to be in. And I just, man, one day I was like, you know what? I'm 43 years old. I'm tired of shit. And I had a friend named Kayla. She's a real good friend of mine. She, she's sober. She moved up north and they got sober, her and her old man. But uh, she pleaded to me for, I don't know, man, for a while. She's like, she's like, Bird, I see potential in you. She's like, you're different than everybody else, man. She said, man, won't you go to rehab? She said, you got a, a story to tell. You know, you're a good-hearted person. You know, she's like, I, I promise you, man, you feel so much better if you go to rehab. And and so I'm going to rehab, you know, and then uh, not, I didn't go. You know, I was supposed to go out chicken out. When got high, I took off and didn't go. And then it just kept getting, and I, I'm dubbed her for the past two months. And because uh, I told her I was headed to rehab, I called her when I get out. And then. I didn't go, but uh, just things got bad, man. I got gun put on me. Uh, my best friend, you know, my best friend died walking across the parking lot. Um, I guess he had a heart attack. This was probably about two and a half months ago. And uh, and I just, man, me and him talked about getting sober. And I didn't want to go out like him, man. And then my friend Kayla, what she had said to me, so uh, I was – one day I said, you know what? After dude pulled a gun on me, I was like, man, screw this dude. There's got to be, you know, it can't get, I mean, what I got to lose. I, 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 man, because in my heart, I always feel like I got something great. I mean, I am a walking miracle. You know, I had so many surgeries. I am a walking miracle. And then, so I got so much to give. And I didn't know in my head, you know, I don't give a fuck about that. I don't care about nothing. It's just whatever. I'm going to sell dope, be the dope game. This is rap music. This is me. This is what I'm going to do. And I ain't never stopping. And then, and, uh, you know, the Lord will sit you down. You know, I guess he had something else for me, playing for me. But uh, I went to rehab and I loved it, man. Uh, I got to rehab. I, I got myself there. I called. I arranged everything. And then nobody, none of my, none of my friends believe or the people I did that with. None of them believe I was going to go. Nobody believed I was going to go. But uh, I Edgefield Recovery. I called them because I looked. I I looked like the top five recoveries, and that's one of the ones that came up. And this, the pictures, it was beautiful. And, you know, the women and guys can mix. And I, so I'm like, that's where I'm, I'm going to go. And I got there, and, man, it was like some shit out of a movie, man. It was so beautiful there. And the, the nurses, out of the, the techs, man, they was so nice. And, um, and man, you, when you're out here and you try to quit drugs, you feel like shit and you, just, blah, you ain't motivated. But for some reason, it seems like when you go to rehab, you're three days sleeping, you wake up, you're good. It's just it's a different environment, and it felt so good, man. Uh, for three years, I fought cancer, or, or three years, it's been three years since I had my surgery. And in my mind, I'm still disabled. I can't even get out there and play basketball. I don't hardly do shit, you know. I, I look like I'm okay, but I walk, you know. I, but I really physically, I think I'm disabled. But when I get to rehab, man. I started feeling so good. I'm eating so much food. I gained like 20 pounds, but uh, I gained like 10 pounds in a week. 
And then next thing you know, I'm out there playing basketball, shooting hoops, doing shit I didn't know I could do. And then uh, I just – and then I had all these emotions that I had not dealt with. My papa was dying. I ain't never cried. I didn't go to the funeral, and I was really close to him. He's like my best friend. And uh, and then uh, my best friend dying, and then we, we had been fighting. We had just back started talking because we had an issue in uh, – and, you know, I screwed him over, over drugs. Like I did a lot of people over drugs, gambling, you know, and, you know, and, but he died and I, and, I, and I felt bad about that. So all these emotions come up and then, you know, shit I did with my kids, I put my kids through all this stuff come up. So when you first get to rehab, you're trying to deal with all these emotions. And, and out here, when you deal with that, that's why everybody just goes right back to doing drugs. You're trying to stay numb, you know? And then, so, but in rehab, you can't get high so you got to deal with it and then uh everybody saying that i wouldn't do it i couldn't do it it was and then my friend kayla what she had talked to me about all that was motivation to stay and then the people there at the recovery place was super nice man um you know i almost left over cigarettes and then the people they bought me some cigarettes gave me um uh and being around the people the aa hearing other people's stories and and you thinking, you know, you 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 think you think you're out here all alone and but but there's a whole different world and opportunities open up to you when you get sober and when you go to AA, um and you listen to the people in AA, it's just uh I bonded with some people, man. Like out here there was no friends. Like when I mean I had a couple friends but and I still, and I ain't gonna say I got no friends. I got, I got some, some people out here that love me, but they in the dope game. But, uh, and you ain't got no real people, you know, that, 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 I don't know how to explain it, but when you're in rehab, you just meet people that it's going through the same shit you are and you bond with people. And I bonded with some people in rehab, man. And, uh, and hopefully when they get out, you know, uh, they, I got some supposed to get out this week and hopefully, uh, We'll be in touch, and you know, and I'm on. You know, I'm gonna stay. I don't even want to get high no more, man. I feel so good. Uh, I'm high on life. Hmm. You know, I just want to go to work. I'm disabled. I get a dis- I get a disability check. And fuck that check, man. I don't even want that check. I want to go to work. I've been trying to play basketball for a week, man. There ain't no place on the North South Town to go play basketball. Because I, I love basketball growing up or in rehab and you get basketball courts. I'm playing basketball. I'm back shooting. I'm amazing myself doing shit I didn't even know I could do. And uh and I still and I can and you know God's good. And uh and I got all this energy now. You know, everybody thinks you, you know, I gotta do this dope so I have energy to go do that bullshit, man. I, I got more energy right now. Like my, my cousins and I'm doing so much stuff I can't even in rehab, they was like, man, you had like you own dope. I'm like, I ain't on dope. I just feel good. I felt so bad for so long. I've been doing drugs for a long time, and I ain't had a break. And I I, I feel good. Um, I did my first uh, testimony this morning at church, and I was scared to death. I got up there. I, I, was, I was trying to go shoot basketball. Every time I try to go play basketball, man, it don't work out. It's either cost $20 to get in here or – they ain't got course no more, and all the schools they got wrapped up anyways. Uh, so I'm trying to stay sober, man. I'm trying to get find something to do. I don't have a ride right now, but my cousin let me use a ride, and we go to the church down here where there used to be a basketball goal. 
And we pull up there, and it's under construction, and the basketball goat ain't there. Well, this girl, this lady up sitting in the parking lot, I felt like I need to explain what I was doing so she wouldn't think we were stealing stuff, you know. And we pulled up there, and I was like, man, we was trying to see if the basketball goat was here. We trying to see basketball. And she said, well, we ain't got basketball, but we got Jesus here. And um, so ended up, she was like, she ended up knowing me. She was like, man, I thought you were dead from cancer. Or I thought, you know, I heard you was in bad shape. I'm like, well, man, I went to rehab. And I got off drugs, and uh, I'm six. I'm six weeks sober now. And then uh, she, she's like, "Man, you got to come give your testimony." And then, so I did this morning. I, I was nervous, but I went there, and the people welcomed me in at Mineral Springs Baptist Church, and they was real nice. And I got up there, and I did, you know, gave my testimony, and uh, it felt good. And then, so uh, then I had this thing to do with you today with the. Uh, podcast and so i'm like i'm been a good day for you huh been a good day for you it sounds like it's been a good day and, and my last night i was scared to death thinking about it, man because the old me wouldn't have did it I, I make promises and i don't show up man and but i promised that lady it was i felt like it was god and then you i, I you know I, I seen your thing on facebook and something told me you know, when I was in rehab, man, these people inspired me. They was like, man, you got to get out and tell your story. You could help lives. You you could help addicts. You could help people on cancer. Uh, you know, you got so much to give. And and, and it's my friend Richie. He's a rapper. And uh, uh, he's in, um, uh, I forget what that's called, uh, Youth Challenge or uh, Teen Challenge or something. Anyways, but uh, he was like, man, he, he wants to get out. He wants to rap and then uh go tell my story and he wants to do things he wants you know start this church stuff and anyhow but i, I i'm ahead of the game you know because uh i gave my testimony this morning and then when i seen you uh, yeah I, man the old me wouldn't have done none of it man i i talked to i talked i talked it but when it got to it and he even pardoned me earlier i was like man man this ain't the place for me to do no podcast and i ain't got nothing but a phone i was looking for excuses and i'm like no i told that man i was gonna do it and he's probably he's waiting on me and i'm gonna keep my word it's my my thing i didn't keep my word when my friend died and i was supposed to go back and pick him up and i never did get a chance and i didn't go pick him up and I, i'm gonna try to keep my word these days but yeah i'm glad i i'm, I'm glad and i'm glad you listened to me well I'm, yeah i'm glad we're getting towards the end here and i really appreciate you coming on i really do got quite yeah. the story but yeah, I mean, it's definitely good that you're telling your story because that's how we give back, right? And and I and I'm not done, man. Uh, I, I'm supposed to meet with somebody tomorrow, and then when I was at the church earlier, the guy there, because I told him, I mean, I've been destroying lives in this community for a long time. I've been selling dope around here a long time, and and really, I've been destroying lives, and 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 and. It, I've been been through a lot, like somebody told me, and 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 I feel like it's time for me to give back. So if I can tell my story to to people on drugs to try to get them to stop, or to, if I can help keep people sober, if I can get people with cancer uh, faith to uh, you know not to lay down and die, to believe in you know to believe in God and to pray, because that's what saved me praying. That's why I'm here with you right now, man. People prayed for me. And and then uh, and then all the people who believed in me, all the people who talked to me before I left rehab, you know, the people at AA, I mean, 
everybody. It's, it wasn't just one person. It's just the whole uh, sober community. Uh, it takes a village. Yeah, it is a village, and I'm ready to, to make my mark in it. And I plan on staying here. I don't want to get high no more. I, I want to meet friends, and, and I want to meet good people. And uh, I want to meet people who's been through stuff like I have, man. Uh, people on addicts, maybe I can save some lives and keep my life, save my life. I, I'm here for a reason, and that's what I'm doing right here with you. So, Well, again, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I think it's a good place for us to wrap it up. Right. Okay. Right. I appreciate you listening to me and hearing my story, man. No, I like I said, I really, really appreciate you coming on. It means a lot. Like I said, you know, I, I love doing this and giving people a voice. But if you uh, in the future, if you um, if you ever, I mean, you you got to you know how to get in touch with me. If you ever want to, uh, you know, I, I plan on doing this a lot more. And so, uh, anyways, but yeah, thanks for hearing hearing my story, man. All right, absolutely. So sit tight. And for everybody watching and listening, if you like what you heard and saw, go below and give us a like. Also, subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out at Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Tumblr. And I also suggest you check out our website. Got a lot of information and free resources. And that website is www.addicts-anonymous.com. And again, we've got plenty of free resources and literature. So, again, I hope you enjoyed today and until next time. All right. Thanks, man.